Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, this is Patrick D. McCoy, and welcome to Across the Arts. Today we have a very provocative show. It's probably something that we haven't done on this show. We generally focus on specific artists and areas of performance, but today the name of this show is When Art is Green, Confronting Jealousy and Envy in the arts. Now, we all know that the arts can be beautiful, and when people go to performances, they see this glorious curtain go up, and they see these elegantly dressed people, and they give a masterful rendering of glorious music. But what happens when the lights come down and the curtains are closed? What happens then? We have a different side of the arts, and today we're going to unpack that because as much as we want to celebrate the beauty of the arts, the fact of the matter is that just on the same breath as people are praised for the rich contributions that they give to the arts, they're also reviled and hated all on the same breath. And today we're going to have a very candid discussion about that. I encourage you all to actually call in to discuss that with our guest panelists. Today we are joined by the Baltimore-based violist Robin Robin Faye Massey Piggy, and we're so happy that she's here with us. Hey, Robin. Thank you, Patrick. And we are also joined today by the St. Louis-based modern composer, Anthony Stewart. Hey, Anthony. Hey, how you doing today? I'm doing well. So today we're going to just go ahead and start this conversation uh, right off, and I'm going to chime in and put my piece in um, at the end of this as a perspective of coming from it from as a writer's uh, point of view. But, Robert, I'm going to start with you. You know, a lot of times, you know, people, like I mentioned, they hear these wonderful concerts, they see the camaraderie on stage, but there's also a level of um, – jealousy and resentment that sometimes people uh, experience in the arts. What has been your uh, your take on that? Yeah, you are absolutely right. I think you touched on a very important point that, you know, there's, there's an element to what you see on stage and then when you close the curtains, what happens, you know, backstage. Um, as a performer, I, you know, speaking for all of us and myself as well, um, I think we're constantly at war within ourselves to try and, you know, quiet negative voices and always stay positive. Um, But there always seems to be that element in the world. Um, Some people just tend to uh, harbor negativity and that, negative seedling starts so small and it can really spread quickly once and we all know what that's like it's like a cancer you know one person may have a negative comment or just a negative attitude and it just bleeds into the rest of the um the people that are around and so that's something that i think we all encounter i think for me the greatest challenge is always to try and remain above that and as soon as I see it, I tend to just try and block it out as best I can. So, Robert, speaking specifically to you as an orchestral um, player, how does the traditional positioning of the instruments in the organ play a fa- I'm sorry, in the orchestra play a factor in that? In terms of whether you're a first chair violin, second chair violin, et cetera. 
Oh, that's that's an excellent question. And I really do think that that is where it starts. Um, from the time you begin playing in school and there is um, there is an order, as you mentioned, where um, your chair number often becomes a sign of, oh, well, this person is first chair, this person is second chair. And we ascribe value to those numbers in school as a child, and that kind of carries with people as they go into, you know, high school, university, maybe graduate school. That number becomes so important Whereas instead of worrying about the number, you should be worrying about your notes. You should be learning your notes the best you can. You should be able to lead just as well from the back of the section as you do at the front. And it's it's a shame that I find that often in conservatories and, and even in um, just other schools that are non-conservatories, um, this this value is placed on where you're sitting as opposed to what you're doing in the chair that you're in. There's something to be said about being content where you are, where wherever your station is in life or in the orchestra, wherever you are seated. Um, you know, I am getting, I'm expected to come correct no matter where I'm sitting. So I can be sitting backstage. I'm going to learn my notes like I'm sitting at the front of the section. And that's just speaking for myself. <laughs> that's good. And more people, more people should have that mentality. Now, Anthony, I want to speak to you because Robin have, has talked to us from an instrumental standpoint. Talk to us or talk to the listeners more. What have you experienced so far as a composer as far as perhaps maybe in the realm of trying to get your uh, music out there? Well, one of the things is that, First of all, I'm not supposed to be a composer. And that's the, the, mm-hmm. the general mindset. I mean, it, people are, they, they, they'll hear the music and they like the music, but then when they see it, the face attached mm. to the music, that brings a whole other set of uh, issues <laughs> into play. You know, Now everybody wants to know, okay, well, where did you learn or who did you study under or when did you start? And now I have all these other things where before it was just, oh, this is really great music. So you end up pulling in a lot of different <laughs> other uh, issues and stuff just by showing your face or being seen and attached with whatever it is you're doing. And that's just not with, you know, other races. That's also just within the race. You know, so there, there are people who say, okay, this is great music, but then once they find out who's doing it, it's like, okay, well, who are you, you know? And especially when it comes to the type of modern composing that I do because people, they say, okay, well, you know, you're not um, – uh, an, an orthodox classical type of composer. You know, you don't, wow. you haven't uh, studied the discipline enough. Uh, you haven't been part of the discipline as if they're going to give me a quiz, you know, right then and there. But the thing is, <laughs> okay, do you like the music? Do you love the music? Does the, does the music, you know, um, inspire people? Does the music heal people? It's like we, we start to forget that and get caught up in the, once again, who told you you can do this? What makes you think you're better than me? Uh, no, we're not going to put your CD out. No, we're not going to play your music on the radio. You know, you know what I'm saying. So it, um, it, it's kind of amazing to me because I thought I would kind of actually kind of bypass a lot of that being a modern composer. So uh, it's it's amazing yeah. to find out just how no, no, you more breaks are going to be put on. You know, well, did you perform anywhere? Did you do anything like okay, we can we can we please just stick with the music? No, we can't. We have to deal with who you are, and your <laughs> connection to the music, and your study and your background as. What, what the difference is with the listener, they just want to hear the music. They just want to hear good quality music that moves them, that stirs their soul, stirs their spirit, and heals them. So 
Those are some of the things that I've dealt with. That is really something else. And I, I really hope that we get some uh, singers to call in also because I I have seen, you know, certain things in terms of of just even I think that social media plays a role in all this too because yes. now people can speak freely and say whatever it is that they want to say. And unfortunately when they say these things, they don't give a lot of thought to these things. Mm-hmm. They just exactly. put it on That's people's right. Facebook walls or they send an inbox and not even think about thinking about the repercussions that may occur from any of this. And and also something that I try to um, advise uh, young musicians, not just singers, but all musicians, that you have to really be careful about what you put on, you know, social media and things like this because when you post these things, you don't know who's on whose wall, who's friends with who, and the same ditch that you're digging for somebody else, you're actually digging it for yourself. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the word travels and things like that. And it's so unfortunate that you're trying to create something so beautiful and so positive, but then it's also um, charged with with negativity. Now, I'm going to go back to you, Robert, before I see we have plenty of calls, um, you know, coming in. And actually, I'm going to take a call and see what one of our our (laughs) listeners has said. Just one moment. you got to see who's calling. Okay. Hello, caller from seven zero three eight two two one nine four seven. You're on the air. Hello. Hello, Patrick. It's Marlissa. How are you? Oh, thank you. A friend to the show, soprano Marlissa Hudson. Marlissa, aren't you from St. Louis? Well, <laughs> I am, and I was looking at that like, why do I not know you? Anthony. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why we don't know each other. We need to meet. <laughs> Apparently, goodness gracious, it's rare that I meet another um, St. Louis-based composer. That's mm-hmm. wow. Melissa, what has been your experience? Talk to me. I know you're a soprano and you're singing. Talk Lord. to us about this this, uh, this monster of envy and jealousy in the arts. How have you experienced it? Well, you know, my first experience was really at the conservatory. Because That's there was, I mean, one, one time I had an audition, and for some reason, I can't even remember, I couldn't find this particular edition of an anthology. And I asked another another girl there who was auditioning that I knew very well, and I thought we were friends. She told me, no, I couldn't use it. Mm. So that was my very first experience with the Green-Eyed Monster. I think, though, because of the way music is changing more recently, what I've experienced is more around how I look and how I sound. <laughs> so, you know, comments like, um, oh, you know, you lost so much weight. I bet you're getting work now. <laughs> I guess, I guess, you know, lust is really going to um, pop off now because, wow. you know, you look a certain way, not even taking uh-huh. into account my singing. Wow. So, wow. but that's that's the pressure mm-hmm. for uh, sopranos and to certain certain other voice parts. So definitely, appearance. Now, Marlissa, not to put you out there, but I'm going to because I, I, I and I'm going to do it again. You, you're in the <laughs> you're in the middle of a major project. You just started embarking on a new project called Lust, and mm-hmm. I've been and you know I've been able to share in that as you embark on that. Talk to about how people, I'm just going to go ahead and make it plain, you know, if I may say hate. Could you just talk about how people mm-hmm. have hated or or um, they try to naysay when you're embarking on a new project, particularly when it's something out of the norm, just like Anthony talked about earlier? Well, you know, to me, I, well, I have to say, of course, I've had a lot of fabulous support. 
but most of the naysayers have been more so like, how is it possible for you to do this? Because mm. you haven't had all the accolades that I've had. So, for instance, um, recently I got uh, an article in the Washington Post and had an appearance on Fox News. And everybody said, well, how did you do that? You know, you haven't performed at the Lyric Opera Chicago or you haven't been at the Met. Basically, what makes you able to get these things? And honestly, I, I just have to say the grace of God. I don't know. <laughs> I, connect, I try my best to connect with people. And they're the ones making mm-hmm. the decisions, not some strange in the sky um, media giant. Mm-hmm. If you meet the right person, you'll make the right connect. Bottom line. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know Patrick. <laughs> May I jump in and comment on what Michelle just said? Sure. You said if you meet the right, you you just said if you meet the right people. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just paraphrasing what you said. If you, mm-hmm. um, you, I'm trying to remember what the last thing you said. If you meet oh, the right if people, you meet the right people, you can make the right connections. Absolutely. I'd like to add, if you are the right person, you will make the right connections. It's oh. all about who you are. It's how you comport yourself. It's how you communicate with people. It's the type of colleague you are. If you are the type of colleague that is generous and, you know, loving, considerate, then that's what you should expect. That's not what we always get, but you, if you are being the type of person you want other people to be, that's the model. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And, it, and that's something I do work with. Every morning I wake up and I'm like, well, I get to try this again try to be a little bit better, try to be a little bit more giving. And that's truly not how we're trained. Absolutely. If I I could comment on that as well. Uh, I think that people have a a habit of spending so much time and energy on excelling at their skill and excelling in the art that they don't put put enough energy into networking, into connecting with people, into Mm -hmm. planting the seeds for their art to grow. So, when other people do that, they become frustrated, they become jealous, they become angry, and they want to know, okay, well, why is this working for you? It's, it's not like she That's said, it's right. not magic. It's not anything, you know, mysterious or spooky or anything. It's the simple fact that she has the type of personality or, or mm-hmm. energy to plant seeds in other areas beyond just the craft, just the That's skill, right. just the talent, which you need to work at it. You definitely want to work at it and perfect that. But you also have to also uh, work on your, your ability to network, your ability to connect with people, your ability to share, how you share what it is Absolutely. you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that Anthony just inspired me. Um, the late Richie Havens, who just passed away last week, his, my favorite quote of his, he just said, I'm not in show business. I'm in the communications business. As an mm-hmm. artist, you know, you your job is to communicate a message. And to be an effective communicator, you always have to take inventory of yourself. And a lot of us, you know, and, and I challenge myself every day, too, to be as transparent and as real as I can be with myself, and I expect that I'm going to act that way with other people as well. And, I, you know, a lot of people, they put up all kinds of walls and, and trying to hide, you know, the ugly, but we all are complex creatures. We're all works in progress. So who am I to judge, you know, 
what someone looks like, what someone is doing in their practice room. I'm so busy worried about myself. <laughs> I agree with that. I would say I must need a new job because I don't have time to worry about what you're doing. Right. Exactly. And the thing I yeah. wanted to interject is the whole thing about connecting people. The thing that I have a real problem with, and you all may have had this instance too, the real problem I have is when people or persons, they expect you to jump at every single thing they do. I mean, they want you to be at everything, every concert, yes. every title, whatever it is they're doing. But when the shoe is on the other foot and it's time for them to show themselves, okay. or to show themselves at your event, they are nowhere to be found. But when you look oh. at Facebook, they're everywhere else but your event. I have a real Praise problem God. with that. I have a real problem with that because I think that if you want support, you really have to give it. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily a a, a quid for quo type thing, but at, but at the end of the day, it really is because you have to do yeah. something that's demonstrative to show someone, hey, I appreciate you, and that will garner them to say, oh, okay, well, maybe I need to make an effort to go. Now, you know in Washington, D.C. or St. Louis or wherever these big cities, it's music going on all the time, so surely – you can't be in everything. But people know when your spirit is sincere, and they know That's what it is. That's right. You know, so um, just to go back to um, uh, Marlissa, I do want to go back to, to, to you because you offer up some, some valid points, especially when you made the comment, the fact that you were on Fox News and, and so forth and so forth and the Washington Post, and then, you know, somebody who's had, I guess, a longer, more venerable career or whatever the case may be, or they've been at, you know, one of the major opera houses, and I guess they threw back that you had. And, like, mm-hmm. okay, I think somebody just said it's about who you are and what you attract. You knew the right person. Right, and, you know, I didn't take the traditional opera path. I mean, once I got married and had my son, um, I just made the decision not to pursue it in that way. But I don't knock anybody who has or who's been fortunate enough to do that. I just feel that I've been blessed and, frankly, worked my tail off to get what I've gotten. So I'm certainly not going to begrudge anybody else. There, I celebrate other people's joys, and I'm not pretending that I'm perfect and I've never felt jealous. I think the goal is not to not have the feeling. The goal is that when you're confronted with it, what do you do? Do you give into it? Do you push through it? Do you, you know, you just have to learn how to deal with it in a healthy way. And for me, the way I deal with it is that I work harder. Mm-hmm. That's it. So this is for anybody. Have any of you all, have, uh, just in terms of, the jealousy piece. Have you all have have ever had to? I know, Marlissa, you spoke about the the practice room scenario at the conservatory, but in your adult life, have you have you all have ever had to confront somebody about this spirit of jealousy or envy uh, in terms of someone you know who has maybe uh, outright tried to sabotage your career or sabotage something that you've been trying to do? Have you ever had the, the opportunity to say, you know, to really, you know, specifically speak to someone on the matter? Because I'm sure that someone listening, they probably have are wondering how to do it. How do you approach somebody with this kind of uh, behavior? Uh, I can speak to that real, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, of the, one of the things you want to do is to, uh, if you know who the person is, because that's the first thing to find out exactly, depending on the situation, mm-hmm. if you know who it is, Ask to talk to them off to the side, away from everybody else. Never bring it up in front of other people because that adds too many other things in the mix. Mm-hmm. 
where they might have to feel like they need to represent themselves or, you know, stand up or, you know, express themselves a certain way. So you want to pull them off to the side if you can and then just ask them, hey, what's what's the problem? I mean, I had to do that. That was a person who would not let me, uh, he wouldn't let me have my, my CD played at, uh, at a particular workplace. The music played throughout cool. the uh, system at this uh, office complex. And uh, come to find out, he was like, hey, you know, once I pulled him to the side, he said, I don't believe that your music is classical music. And I'm like, okay. How do you define classical music? You know, what's, what's your definition of it? He was like, well, it, it definitely doesn't have anything to do with a computer or electronics. It doesn't have anything to do with digital composition or digital composing at all. I'm like, okay, are you talking about the making of classical music or are you just talking about classical music, how it sounds and, and, and what it evokes in people? Because it's a different thing. So anyway, we had to have this long conversation, and it, it took a minute for us to get to the <laughs> the root of what it really was, is that they themselves were an artist or a performer who tried to, you know, really engage the art, and they failed at it. And they felt that I didn't deserve, I didn't have the right to be successful when they put so much energy into it and had failed. So after we worked through that and finally got through all of that, they, you know, he finally, you know, accepted it and, and, and bought into it and, and allowed the music to be played. But I'm just saying you have to get with whoever it is and just pull them off to the side and say, hey, what, what's, going, what's, what's really going on here? What is really the problem? Mm. <laughs> that, 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 that could be That's something easy. I think we have a That's caller it. on the line from 804 And I'm going to bring them on the Caller calling from 804 You're on the air, good evening Hello, caller from 804 Okay, I think that they have dropped Maybe they'll call back Okay. Well, I want to speak, you know, I, I definitely want to speak from my standpoint because most of you all know um, my career is multifaceted, you know, as you know, as a singer, as an organist at Pins and so forth. But these days I find myself doing a lot of extensive music journalism, which I readily enjoy. And the, and the jealousy piece that I have experienced about, um, like Anthony was saying in his uh, arena, is the fact that some people think that, you know, you shouldn't be at a certain place yet or you you know you shouldn't be um you shouldn't be at a certain station and the, the, what I'm speaking of is like you know I moved from a small town I moved to Washington DC I'm not a native Washingtonian I've embarked on this journalism career and yet I have interviewed huge figures that people wait for years to interview and some sometimes that kind of creates a jealousy also sometimes people um they think it's a hierarchy of recognition, you know. They, mm-hmm. and they say, you know, when you you, inter, you interview this person before me, and then they think it's something personal. It has nothing to do with that. So, you know, from the journalism standpoint, I definitely, um, you know, understand the, the the dilemma. So, Robin, getting back to you. Yes, Specifically, have you have you ever had to deal deal with um, a envious, like jealousy type situation, specifically, especially like let's say, like if you're trying to advance a certain project or just something you're trying to do, has someone ever tried to, to squash that for you, and how did you deal with it? That is an excellent question. First, I, if I may backtrack a bit, I want to apologize. Um, I think I accidentally called Marissa Michelle because I didn't hear your name. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but, no 
like who wanted to clear that up? Um, but I, <laughs> and I also, I, I wanted to comment on uh, what Anthony mentioned about confronting people. Myself, speaking for myself, I'm a very non-confrontational person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, my challenge is always to, um, I'm also an idealist. So the thing is with me, I, I, I'm a very positive person naturally. So when I encounter negativity, the risk for me is shutting down instead mm-hmm. of opening up and actually confronting that person. That's always my challenge. Um, along those lines, I, I certainly encounter what I would consider jealousy or, or hate um, from colleagues all the time. The interesting thing is that a lot of the people who are perpetuating these feelings, they think that their intentions or their feelings are hidden. Um, that's never the case. You can always feel negative energy. I consider myself almost like a human antenna as far as receiving energy and, and interpreting um, nonverbal communication. Not that I'm an expert, but I, I certainly feel like I'm able to uh, make sense of vibes and, and the kind of vibrations that people are giving off. And when I encounter that, I tend to either, you know, shut that person out or I kind of, I, I'm a smiling person. I, I hide behind a smile a lot. There are very few people who know all of the meanings of each of my smiles. And one thing I would say is the block mechanism on Facebook is awesome. That is, <laughs> I am great at blocking oh, folks. And they, were, they wind up, I thought I don't got your birthday notifications. Well, that's why you don't get them. <laughs> oh, you mentioned Facebook, and I just want to piggyback, you know, just to share, and I won't drop any names because this area is so small, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention the numerous uh, things that I have received on Facebook because I have not re- interviewed certain people or, uh, you know, people have not, um, if they have certain students or whatnot, and if I don't, you know, if I didn't choose to highlight what they did, you know, I have had gotten some very rough things, and I have used the block feature on uh, Facebook numerous times. But the funny thing about Facebook is you can block a person on Facebook and they'll see you in person and think that that relationship is still natural. And when I block you on Facebook, I think I have blocked you, period. (laughs) Wow. Marlissa, have you had to use the block feature on Facebook to ward off the jealousy and envy? Well, normally it's more sort of word off crazy men because they, they feel comfortable <laughs> sending you any kind of message, you know, just, hey, sexy, what's going on? I'm like, what, huh? No, this is not a dating service. I need you to be gone. <laughs> but I guess the final takeaway from all of this, I want to use a, a, a phrase that a friend of mine, Terrence Tarver, who is a singer here in the area, he always uses. I just feel like this is his sentiment, and I just want to convey it. It's enough room at the table for all of us to eat. It really That's is. Right. There's no reason for us to be trying to stuff over and trample over the next person just so we can get to where we're going to get. And I think that Robert touched on it. If you're the right person, you're going to get the right blessing. So my thing That's is right. that, you know, again, it's, you know, it's enough room at the table for everybody to eat. Everybody has a very distinct gift, a very distinct calling. And I think that when 
we, particularly artists, don't recognize that. That's where, you know, that's where the problem comes in. Uh, because when you're trying to plot and be deceptive and, and not celebrate the next person, you know, that is, that's the true problem. And I have seen it over and over again. I think I mentioned the whole thing about people expecting uh, other people or other colleagues to show up for them. And, and then when that person doesn't show up, it's a big problem, but they never show themselves a support, you know, to anything that the other person does. And so just the takeaway, I just hope that anyone listening, that they would just really work towards, Building a sense of community in the arts because it's a hard world out here in the arts. Basically, um, mm-hmm. the arts is, I think, the arts is a, a, a very different thing. It's probably different than anything else that you do because you can play an instrument, you can sing, but if your heart is not right, that comes all the way through. And I think that that has an opportunity to falter anything that you even try to communicate to an audience and moreover <laughs> to yourself. Mm-hmm. So um, I just want to thank you all so much for. It looks like we're almost out of time. I want to thank you all for joining me for this conversation. I think it's a very hard thank conversation you. to have, but I think that it's something that um, is going to start a dialogue. And I want to thank you all. So just before we go, I do want everyone um, to know exactly what it is that you're doing. And then, Marlissa, I'm going to start with you because we have a, a four panel. You should have been on the panel all along. Thank you so much. Just <laughs> oh, goodness, no. yeah. I'm thinking you the before, but uh, mm-hmm. tell, us, tell us a little, a little bit more about um, you know things that you're doing here in the Washington D.C. area, your website, and all that good stuff. <laughs> well, the biggest thing right now is a Kickstarter campaign for my latest project, which is called Lust, and it deals mm. not only with the sensuality um, that is found in classical music, but really having a lust to go after your own personal passions without apology. Mm-hmm. Living fearlessly is the bigger picture. So that the Kickstarter campaign is launched. I would love, you can just Google Marlissa Hudson Kickstarter. It will pop up. I have a new website, MarlissaHudson.com. There's more to come, interviews coming up. I'm so excited. And Patrick has been a big supporter of me from Jump. So whatever he needs, I will be there. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, oh, yeah. Anthony, tell us a little bit more about your stuff, your music, and where we can go to your website. Okay, uh, can you hear me? You can hear me fine? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, what I'm trying to do is to get a younger audience into classical and jazz music, primarily classical, and I'm trying to use technology to do that, to show them that there are a lot of people who have a, a passion for it, but they don't necessarily know how they're going to get paid doing it. So I'm trying to show them that, hey, you can record yourself. You can get with other artists and record yourself. People want the music. They want to hear the music. So you can put it together yourself. You can record it yourself and then market it, you know, via Amazon, through uh, TuneCore and hit iTunes and all these other different places. So I'm just trying to bring uh, the art into the modern times for the youth so that they can connect with it and, and go out and make some money at it. And they, well, they don't feel like, okay, well, if I'm not making any money at it, then I need to give it up, you know, or I need to stop or anything crazy like that. Uh, you can hear my music at visualmusic.bandcamp.com. And that visual is spelled with a Z, visualmusic.bandcamp.com. Now, my site is being updated, but my site is anthonystewart.net. 
Thank you so much, Anthony. Uh, Maestro Brandon uh, Keith, um, he, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Brandon placed third in the um, Sir George Fulton competition. He yeah. saw that I was on this show. He saw that I was doing this show on um, Envy and the Arts. He just sent me this picture of sour grapes. I must post it on my Facebook page <laughs> so you guys can see it. But it's so amazing. He just sent it to my my inbox. But Robin Fowler, I want to get to you. You do such a, a diverse, you have such a diverse musical portfolio and dealing with um, your nonprofit organization. Talk to us a little bit about that and the things that you have coming up. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you so much for just putting this on the table. This is an ongoing discussion that needs to be had. Um, and I just thank you for inviting us on the show. Um, I am the founder and executive director of um, a budding, very grassroots nonprofit called Musicians of Mercy. Um, and basically, we got together, uh, started in 2010. I called up all my friends to um, put on a benefit concert for the devastation um, in Haiti. And that turned into a labor of love and 18 concerts later, uh, we're still raising money for humanitarian causes uh, through multi-genre benefit concerts, Um, and it's just a lot of fun. It's it's one way that I have found a deeper, greater purpose through music, um, using music to serve those who are in need and support um, the good works of organizations that are um, well, lending aid to uh, people at home and around the world. So it's really a labor of love. So that's that's what I do. But I'm also a very active freelancer in the the area. Um, I do a lot of work up in Delaware and Philadelphia and DC, and have a few private students. And I'm a mommy to a Wonderful six-year-old <laughs> and a newlywed, oh, so got a full plate. <laughs> that is amazing. But I just want to thank you all so much uh, for being on Across the Arts today with Pastor D. McCoy. And I just want to further say, just imagine if a person had a network as rich as uh, what I am talking to. You have a composer on here. You have a violist. You have a soprano. All of these talents are different, unique talents, but what a powerful fist they would make if you just put them all together as opposed to pulling That's away true. from one another. So I, I just yeah. want to challenge listeners to please get a tight network of friends, not a whole That's bunch right. of frenemies. Facebook is wonderful, but Facebook can be frenemies too. So make sure you get mm-hmm. a real legitimate network of friends so you can pull these kinds mm-hmm. of projects together because the bottom line is that, you know, there's no I in team. It takes all of us. And um, mm-hmm. I just want to say thank you all so much, so very much for joining um, this show. And, again, I hope that you all will post this show on your Facebook page so we can continue this dialogue because many people may uh, not have had time to call, but I know that this is a topic that it has to be further challenged and just totally unearthed because if we're going to create harmony in the arts, it can't be with the color green, which is full of jealousy, envy, and more or less hate. So I want to say thank you all so much for the beauty that you all bring to the arts, and I'm so glad that we could have this platform today. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. 
Again, I am Patrick D. McCoy, and thank you so much for being here, um, joining us for Across the Arts, unpacking this whole element of when art is green. And there's no place for green in the arts, so let's just go ahead and get that out of the way now. We want to keep celebrating one another, and we want to thank you for joining us for this very provocative show. And again, I am Patrick D. McCoy, the African American voice of classical music, and I do wish you all a wonderful day. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.